Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hey, it's Dan Kenner from The Casual Author. This is episode 55 of the podcast, and it is Wednesday, November 30th, 2022, as I record this. Today, we're talking to Dan Petrosini about writing through the grog, so essentially how to continue writing, how to push through when you have something like writer's block, or maybe you are having a hard time writing for whatever other, for whatever reason, uh, just writing through that, some of the tips and tricks that he has utilized is a really interesting discussion. Uh, Now, as someone who does not run into writer's block very often, um, it's not that I don't think it exists. It's hard to know if it it quote-unquote exists or not. Um, I've, I've just learned that there are certain ways of just getting through whatever blocks might exist or whatever might be preventing you from getting into that creative space. So Dan's got some great insight. Um, I think you'll really enjoy the interview, so stick around for that. So in terms of news from me, uh, from a writing perspective, it's NaNoWriMo. I've talked about it before. I did finish my 50,000 words two days early, so on November 28th, which was really exciting. Um, I worked hard to get there. And, you know, I decided to take a little bit of a break from it because I was putting so much creative energy into it. So I did take a break yesterday and today, and I will be writing again starting December 1st. So that brought me up to about 95,000 words of the manuscript. Now, I'm not confident how long or if it's going to stay this long or if I will be cutting a lot out. I'm, I'm a pantser, obviously, so I will overwrite and then scale it back in the editing phase. I don't love editing, um, but I've just found that this is a more effective way for me to write. It's just to write it out straight. It's interesting. I was talking to someone um, earlier, one of my coworkers, and they indicated that they're well, one of their daughters was writing a book and that she's been working on this book for five years because she keeps rereading um, the first few chapters, not liking it and rewriting it. And I told her that for me, and I think for most people, the best thing you can do is just go forward and don't look back until it's time to look back. Um, and, and there's a lot of people that fall into the pitfalls of just writing and rewriting and rewriting and they never actually get anything done. I said, you know, you're never actually going to be satisfied with it in reality, because there's always going to be something wrong or in your mind, something that doesn't jive well with the story. And in light of that, the best thing you can do is just look at that in the editing phase and just get the first story out. So helpful advice. And we talk a little bit about that. Dan and I discussed that. But in terms of this draft, I don't don't know what it's like, but it's a really interesting story. It is quite um, complicated. It's more multifaceted than I expected it to be, but I'm really enjoying it. And um, I'm just finding that I, I'm back to that exciting creative energy that I found or had when I was at the beginning of writing. I lost it a bit over the past, uh, you know, four to six months, 
but I've captured that again and, and I'm really enjoying it. So I believe that's it for the writing updates in terms of Homestead. The time has come to dry up our goats. So if any of you know, um, I, I've talked a little bit about this, but when you're breeding goats, obviously um, they their energy, their body energy needs to be expended to grow the kids inside of them. So to ensure the energy is going to the right place and they can recapture some of their nutrients, we, we wean them, or not wean them, rather, we dry them up. Um, a couple months before we actually breed. In this case, it's about a month before we breed them again so that they can take a break. So we can take a break. We enjoy the milking, but when it's, you know, three degrees outside, it's nice to not have to go milk. I still have to feed them and water them, but my wife, um, particularly since she's almost having ready to have a baby of her own, um, is just ready for a break. So they are dried up for the most part. Um, they still have some milk, but it's not dangerous there. As long as you do it relatively slowly, their udders won't get overfilled. They won't get mastitis or sick or anything. So they still have some milk, but it'll decrease over time. If now that we've gotten to, to a point where they don't need to be milked. So now I just go out in the morning by myself, um, which is, which is good. In terms of other <laughs> interesting news, I, I believe that I spotted a coyote, um, out in our yard, I was, I was walking out. It gets dark really early. Obviously we're, um, in Southeast Idaho or a little bit further North. So the days are very, very short after work. I go out and I give them more buckets of water, warm buckets of water that they can drink, check their food, make sure everything looks okay. While I was out there, it was dark, but I spotted an animal. It was not a household dog or a pet. Definitely not a dog. It looked like a coyote, um, about 20 feet outside of the fence of our buck fence. I chased it away. Obviously it saw me, it ran away really fast and I followed his tracks and, you know, it kind of disappears. We live out in the country. So I just kind of disappeared out in the open. Well, unfortunately coyotes are predators for goats. And so we've tried to keep a careful watch on our goats, but I mean, there's not a lot you can do. Coyotes will dig under fences. They can jump over fences. They can jump like six feet so we're just praying and hoping that nothing goes wrong with our goats. Um, we've thought about put, putting motion lights out there, something that might scare the animal away. I don't know. It's hard to say. So far, nothing's happened. That was about four or five days ago. But we've not seen coyotes yet um, or any other type of goat predator. But this is our first sighting and crossing our fingers that there's no issues. Hopefully you don't have a, a very sad update from me in the next couple of months. But that's interesting, things that you don't think about, right? I mean, animals like coyotes um, aren't predators for humans, so people might see one and obviously be wary, stay away and whatnot, but now we've just got this constant thought of, oh, are goats safe enough? Is there anything we can do to make them even safer? Our chickens are fine. The chickens are in a very well-secure, locked-down area, so we have no concerns for them, skunks and badgers and raccoons and other um predators won't be able to get in there but yeah the coyotes that's that's a little bit tricky for the goats in any case that's that's the exciting thing for the homestead um i don't believe that there are any other updates so we'll go ahead and shift over to the interview portion with dan
Dan Petrosini is a USA Today and Amazon bestseller who wrote his first story at the age of 10 and enjoys telling a story or joke. He writes each and every day, forcing the words out when necessary, and has written over 20 novels to date. Hey, Dan, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, with your experience and all the books that you've published, I'm just thrilled to be able to talk to you about your experience with writing um, and learn any tips and tricks you might have for other people who are beginning their author stages. Before we dive into it, though, I'd love to ask where or how long have you been writing and publishing? Well, I've been writing essentially for my whole my whole life. I started when I was ten years old. And let me just back up a second by say uh, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you this this afternoon and sure. and to anyone that's listening. So, so I've been writing my whole life, uh, but seriously, um, I got I I gathered a lot of momentum, I guess, about fifteen. 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, dawdling around uh, with little stories here and there my whole life and doing some, some mostly a lot of writing for business, uh, some in the corporate world. Um, and like most writers struggling to complete a story, right? Mm. Um, so that's something I, you know, we can talk about if you wish. Um, uh, so, but the last... 10 or 15 years, I really gained, got, gathered a lot of momentum. Uh, I started to trust myself a little bit more and realizing that just pushing through to the end was so important, right? In general, I think we all have these great ideas for a book. Mm -hmm. So that's what it starts out, right? You have this idea, you develop it in your head a bit like that, and then you're so excited to get it to paper. So, mm. bingo, you start, you start writing, you start writing and you go, this is the best story in creation. You know, this is unbelievable. And then somewhere around the soggy middle, it's termed, I believe. So let's say after 30,000 or 20,000 words, all of a sudden you start going, mm, the doubts start <laughs> creeping in and you go, oh boy, this story is terrible. I'm never going to be able to finish it. And most people take it at that point and ditch it. They stick it in that straw or they wipe the file away and they feel bad for a while. They feel relieved because there was relief because you know, mm -hmm. it's very difficult. Um, there's a bit of a relief. And then whatever it may be for it depends on another idea germinating. Um, you come up with another idea and you go, this is the one. And essentially the same story plays out. And I think if you talk to most successful authors, and I'm talking about the high highly successful folks, um, they'll, they all encounter the same thing. It's difficult to slog through the middle when you have all of these threads going on and, and you're trying to figure out how I can resolve it. I can't resolve this. This is hard. And then you sit there and go, I got right. You come up with plot, plot issues, right? So there's, there's um, how am I going to resolve this issue? And mm. it's called writer's block. You know, and I don't really believe in that. You know, I, I, I don't believe in that block thing. Um, there are ways to, in my opinion, anyway, that I use. I'm not saying it works for everyone, but uh, uh, I slog through. I push through. If I come up with a plot problem and I do in, invariably several times in everything I've ever written, I if I can't figure it out, figure out how this makes a believable um, resolution of the issue, um, or maybe how do I introduce a character that I need to come in? Uh, 
I put it aside. I put mm-hmm. that part of the book aside and I write something else that needs to get written. There's another scene that I know I could write. And you let that thing kind of percolate. And maybe when you're exercising, going for a walk, whatever folks do, yoga, whatever they may do, um, you kind of let that thing percolate a little bit. And I have a weird thing that I do. And every morning I wake up, I lay in bed and I kind of um, put that problem in my head, but I don't actively try to solve it. Mm. And as ideas float into my head, I actually push them out. And many, many times after a while, it may take two or three days, all of a sudden I go, oh, there it is. This is how I, mm. this is the way I can do it. And I work it through that way. Um, that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> no, I mean, it, there's a lot to unpack in there, but I think it was a very well-rounded answer because the root of this writer's block yeah. that a lot of people like to, I also don't necessarily agree with that existing. Yeah. I think, yeah. honestly, probably a lot of the times it comes, it's inhibition. More than anything that's stopping us, you know, apprehension, nervousness that we won't properly solve it for our readers. But I like that you said, you know, put it aside and don't try to actively solve that problem. Because like you, I have just kind of come across the answer to a plot issue or a plot hole or possibly a character issue um, just out of the blue when I'm just thinking about it throughout the day. Are are there um, specific activities where you, you like you intentionally do them for thinking about your books, like whether they be physical activities or showering, or is there something you do specifically to kind of open up your creative mind to solve those problems passively? Um, well, subcon- well, first of all, I go, for, I, you know, seven days a week, I do something physical, uh, either it's a, you know, several mile walk or two days a week going in a gym, doing weight training, if you will. Mm. Um, uh, that I think helps. But during those activities, when I, and I've been debating this recently is because I listen to podcasts or possibly music hmm. and I, and some, so you're grading more information. And sometimes if you're listening to a podcast about writing just for argument's sake, or maybe listen to an audible book, um, uh, you hear something, you go like, wow, okay, how can I apply this? And what kind of opening would it would it do mm. um make if you will the other thing that i do is i'm i i'm a musician i play the saxophone and oh, cool. i play essentially every day um i practice that every day and i find in my my schedule if you will i start to write and then you kind of get drained right it is you do get drained i mean mm-hmm. and um I need to play my horn, you know? So I retreat into my room and play my horn for an hour or so, practice whatever I'm working on. And I kind of feel that that uh, frees up, even though it's a creative endeavor as well, um, it it, it kind of, it's a different kind of creativity, I think. And it kind of, for me anyway, it opens up some of my my creativity, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that that break, while still in a creative vein, kind of gives me an area of respite, if you will. Um, and that, that could possibly help. The other thing I do too, when I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of another book and I have an issue about one of the, these plot, a plot issue. And I, I, I said, how am I going to resolve? I have, I have the easy way out. You know, I know, you know, the easy way uh, to do it. And there were two other options that I've come up with. And I actually, right before, we, right before we started this, 
I said, yeah, that third one is really the one that would be like a shift, shift shaker type of a thing. Um, it would really shake up the earth, but I think there's, there's some problems if I go in that way. But I've learned to sometimes do it of say, what's the, what's the, the craziest thing that can happen? Hmm. Right. What's, what's the unexpected thing that can happen here? Um, and then would that work? Mm-hmm. And it's a little scary sometimes because it usually sends you off in another direction because I'm not a big plotter, right? Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know about yourself, but I'm not, um, <laughs> I yeah, don't, right. I'm not a plotter. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one of the things about writing it, it uh, as I originally used, originally started out um, writing, uh, I was never, I was never a, a plotter anyway. I tried it. I took a class with. Um, Oh my gosh, the British writer, he's phenomenal. Pillars of the Earth, uh, Ken Follett. And oh, um, so he's a massive plotter. I mean, he, 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 in this class, he said that, you know, he, his, his outlines are 40 pages long. And he word. said, yeah. And he goes, of course, the book is easy to write after that. And I said, wow, this is what I got to do with it. If the book becomes easy, mm. I mean, writing, writing the plot, a 40 page uh, outline, excuse me, was, the worst thing that I ever tried to do in my life. It was, it was <laughs> terrible. It was terrible. I couldn't do it. Um, so I, I, I make, you know, I have my idea, my main idea. And then I usually write, let's say 10 or 15 kind of scenes. Not, not I don't write them, but I, I write a sentence or so for 10 or 15 scenes, knowing where it's going to get me. And then as I go along, I'm usually pushing those scenes further out or eliminating them or changing them. Mm. Um, and, 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 but at this stage, again, after having quote unquote discovery written, or as they say, uh, CD of pants, the pants there, mm-hmm. where I would end up with, you know, a hundred thousand words and it would be a kind of a mess and it would take me so much work to make it a book. Now I, my style or my procedure uh, is pretty clean. So my after a first draft, I don't really have a tremendous amount of work to do any longer. Um, so I've refined my process by keeping tabs, if you will, of the running threads that need to, to be dealt with. Um, mm. So that when it goes to the editor, they go like, what? <laughs> you never resolved this. You didn't. Re- that's, that's how it was for me early on. Like you didn't resolve A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Now I kind of keep, somewhat decent track of that as I go along. And then what I've gotten into the habit of now is that after I've written, let's call it 20 or 25,000 words, I generally go back to the beginning and go through the book because maybe there's things that need to be seeded, if you will, or changed. Or maybe there's a character voice that I said, this is the way this character is going to be. And I go, that doesn't work. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I wanted him to be that way, but you know, um, you know, modeling after someone, you know, or some experience that you had. Um, but it doesn't feel true after, you know, 30,000 words or something like that. So you go back in and have to really do a little massage in there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, that's how I do my, the way I write. I don't, I know a lot of folks write, a, you know, they look at what they written yesterday and then, continue on to keep that stream going, right? They go, they get back into their story that way. They do some editing and go along. I, 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 I'm so anxious to write. I hate to waste time on, <laughs> you know, I want to mm-hmm. move on. You know, I want to move the story on. 
Absolutely. So. Yep. I'm totally, we have very similar writing processes, yeah. although I think you have possibly even a little more elements of plotting than me. I, I don't even write sentence long um, chapter descriptions. I just kind of yeah. let it come, but you highlighted a couple things that I think is really key for slogging forward, moving forward when you hit these moments of inhibition or quote unquote writer's block. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, playing uh, your, your instrument is something that kind of opens up your creativity. So if, if you've established the connections in your mind and this kind of hub habit around writing and the creative process, which I think a lot of people downplay too much, you know, when you're an author having, even if you can't have a, a regularly scheduled time for writing, possibly even like mini routines that get you into the creative mindset can only help you when you hit those moments, right? And you're like, oh, okay, if I follow these steps, then you reach a point where your creativity kind of flourishes and it can help you in the process. It's an excellent point. I never really, I realized that I, it would help me when I played or it would just relieve my anxiety about not playing maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was an excuse, get away. Also get away from, get away from doing it. It's like a relief. Oh, I'm at this point, like, oh. I'm getting tired, whatever it is, mentally tired. And then I go over here and I go, oh, I'm jumping in the pool and everything's cool. And I come back out and you feel refreshed. Yeah. And I, I like the way you set that up in terms of um, almost like Pavlov's dog thing. You know, you do ABC and mm -hmm. you're in this space. There, 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 um, this guy wrote a, a book called Effortless Mastery. Uh, Kenny Werner, he's a really phenomenal jazz pianist. Mm. And I, I read the book and I mean, it's been years and years and years. I mean, uh, but he, the way he sets it up is that you're you, how to get into the quote unquote flow state by doing these five things that get you there, so to speak. And I'm, I'm just paraphrasing this whole, but sure. but I like the I like the connection that you're that you you uh, just just made. Um, I think it's anything that's helpful, right? Mm -hmm. um, even if you're just fooling yourself, essentially. <laughs> I mean kind of yeah, almost a placebo effect honestly yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what the human mind can react to it may seem silly or small but if it works it works oh, right God, man. <laughs> hang on to it and the funny thing is I'm a, I'm a big habit guy I'm, I'm i'm definitely big in the habit thing but one thing that i i kind of that's contrary to that is that i could write anywhere you know, I, sure. can, I know where I, I'm most productive. I know when I sit, I'm, I live in Southwest Florida, so the weather's always great. I mm. sit out in my lanai generally, and I really can crank it out. But I could also, you know, I sit at my kitchen table quite a bit. I, I, when I'm waiting to get on the call with you, I'm doing something. If I'm on an airplane, if I'm got to bring my car to be serviced or something, and I have an hour sitting there, I'm bringing my laptop. <laughs> mm -hmm. I got to make use of the time, you know, um, time is the one non-refundable uh, thing that we have in our lives. You, you know, uh, we got to choose to use it wisely. Um, one of the things that I, one of the points that I, I wanted to make in, in this getting through the, the slog, if you will, when the words are really difficult, right? I, I force myself basically to force the words out. Right. Mm. And it sounds terrible. It sounds so uncreative. Um, and again, I'm not saying it's so easy to force it out. I mean, I struggle with this as well, but I do do it. I don't allow myself to get up and say, ah, I can't do this right now. I'll, I'll come back tomorrow. I don't really allow myself to do that. Um, so one of the interesting things about this approach about quote unquote forcing, because it really sounds terrible to force something. Um, I realized after 
you know, doing it for a bit, this is a couple of years ago, that I read back, I, when I'm forcing it out, it feels like it's garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like the terrible writing. What was interesting is going back and um, reading what I wrote that was so-called uh, forced versus flow state, <laughs> whatever that word is, mm-hmm. um, I, couldn't, I couldn't determine what was written in either state. It was still the same quality. I don't want to say it was great, <laughs> but it was still the same quality. And mm-hmm. that was like a big revelation and going like, oh, my gosh. So I, I really got to force it out when I have to force it out. Um, and and uh, it's, it, it's not that it's going to be garbage. It may need some massaging like anything else you wrote. Um, sometimes when, when information is coming through you and you're feeling like, oh, I write the scene, you're writing so fast and you're not like editing along the way that sometimes that stuff needs to get more editing done when you read through it. You know, it, it, it sounds plausible. Again, I'm not, I don't know because I, I don't keep track of what was written in, again, forced versus uh, flowing, if that makes any sense. No, it does. It absolutely makes sense. It's, it's kind of interesting. I heard a recent live interview between, um, with Brandon Sanderson, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a pretty yeah, famous sure. fantasy well, author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the points that he made is the very point that you that you just made was mm-hmm. that he he likened it to someone who has a full time job, you know, or you know is a is a stay at home mom or or has these responsibilities that no matter how much you feel like it, you can't just not do it. Right. He's like, if you treat writing the same way, we all have our off days. We do. But when yeah. you get to your writing session, you're just not feeling it. You're not feeling into it. You can't just say, ah, I'm not going to do it. If you treat it like this is something you just have to do, you just do it. You force it out. You you push through it, treat it like that that non-negotiable responsibility. And then you find that either one of two things will happen. You find that as you get started, you push through that and you do get into it, or you just force it out for that session. And then the next day you're back into it. But yeah, I agree with you. I think you always have the editing phase and whether or not it is discernible between the, the forced sessions versus the flowing sessions, yeah. you you do have the option of editing it. And once you've established that helps establish that habit. But I agree. I have forced a number of sessions worth of words and also yeah. was not able to see the line between between the two types of writing because my brain is still working the same, even though it doesn't feel like it's flowing quickly in the moment. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's it's a really important thing for all writers to understand, especially mm-hmm. aspiring writers or beginning writers, um, that that's perfectly fine to have to force it out. And the other thing is, you know, which is a big thing, and it was kind of, I, I, I forget who said it, and actually it was pretty crass the way he, you know, said that, mm. You know, I'm an aspiring, you know, to, to responding to someone about aspiring writers, you know, basically said, that's nonsense. You're not a writer. You're a writer if you write. If you don't write, you're not a writer. If you want to be a writer, I want to be a, an astronaut. I can't call myself an I'm an aspiring astronaut. I can't say I'm an astronaut. I mean, it was very, it was a little too hard, if you will, of a put down. Uh, but there is a lot of truth to that. If you want to write and express yourself, you really need to make a routine of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that there are many, many people that want to write and maybe do write a little bit. I don't have the, the, the amount of time. I do this full time. Um, I don't have the time to do that and have, you know, young children, whatever responsibilities, their caretakers. Yeah, there you go. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's all kinds of things 
that come into your life, all kinds of responsibilities that we have. But you alluded to before about the job. If you had a job, you know, whatever that may be, a nine to five job, you have to, you have the eight hours. You got, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. You can't just weasel out of it. You know, hey, my kid, you know, is this or, you know, he's got a soccer game or whatever goes on. Um, so you have to set that, that side aside. So I, I say usually, and I don't do this actively anymore because it's it's really so habitual to me that I know I'm going to write. So I don't have to worry about it. But many times, first thing in the morning, if I'm was maybe walking a dog or doing something like that, I used to say, I used to think about my mind, excuse me, think about my day and say, okay, I got ABC things going on. So where's my time slot? Can mm-hmm. I grab 10 to 12 here and then maybe three to five over here or six to eight? I'm usually not right late um, and, and figure out what that day's challenges in terms of, of, of demands on your time, um, whether it be family obligations or other work obligations, and then say, hey, I'm going to write this picture and then make sure you do it. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make sure you do it. You know, um, don't let yourself off the hook. And then you'll be surprised if you don't write. I'm a guy that basically writes every day. And if I don't, I feel like queasy. I mean, like, because I feel like I let myself down. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It, you know, but that's that's the habit, the habit that, you know, I got to be able to do. I got to be able to, to to write every day and I got to be able to play my horn every day. That Those are the things that like kind of keep me and believe me there's a lot of challenges in my life too with demands and family etc um uh, but i think that that's important for many people who want to write or begun to write um because the words pile up man you know <laughs> they pile up if you do it consistently you know they, they definitely do but yeah I, I like exactly what you said joanna penn who's uh, over the the creative pen podcast yeah, sure. i listen to hers regularly she always talks about showing up for yourself and showing up for your writing sessions wherever they are whether you schedule them or whether mm-hmm. you just you need to do it every day and you don't have prepared times for it just show up and be there even if you don't feel like it that's the first step and i think a lot of people it's easy to fall into the routine of letting uh excuses take over you know, excuse for X and we all have lots going on. I don't think there's any person who doesn't have at least something on their mind, you know, a lot of things plaguing their thoughts, but you show up for yourself and you show up for the writing and that's when it starts to, to starts to happen. So, and, and I, you know, the the novel, if you, if that's what you're writing, a novel is a big project, man. It's, it's whatever it may be, let's say 80,000 words and in the fantasy John, I know it's, these things are bigger than that. Uh, you know, could be 120, a thousand or something like that. Uh, um, whatever that number is. So in my opinion, I love to have goals for myself. So I try to set a daily goal and many times I don't need it. Most times I do. Um, so write that goal down, whatever it is, if it's 200 words or it's going to be a scene or a page or a chapter, whatever that is, write it down, put that sticky where you can see it, especially when you wake up in the morning, man, put it on your nightstand when you wake up next to your glass of water or whatever the heck it is, or your cup of coffee and remind yourself that last night I promised myself I was going to write a thousand words today or 200 words. However, it is that you break it up. Some people like to do scenes, you know, I got to write the scene today or this chapter, whatever it may be. Um, But if you break that down and um, it's a simple feeling of accomplishment that also fuels your energy level to to get back at it, mm-hmm. you know. If, uh, yesterday I said I was in a two hundred. Maybe I'll try two fifty today. 
yeah. whatever, you know, whatever it is. And as you know, you know, word counts, even, you know, even at, again, I use, keep on using 200 words because that's pretty simple to write. Mm-hmm. 200 words. If you, if you did it, even you took 65 days off, you took 20% of a year off, you would have 60,000 words, which is a novel in many genres. Mm-hmm. You know, there you go in a year. So, uh, you know, people say to me, you know, because I, I, sometimes I had written three books a year, but generally I'm like a two, two now. I'm like about two. Um, if, you, if, if I, if, you know, people always ask me, everybody, I'm sure they ask you, how long does it take you to write a book? You know, <laughs> how long does it take? How long does it take? You know, but if you break it down and you said, if I was able to write, you know, a thousand words a day, you know, and again, sometimes I write more, many times I write less. Uh, depending upon what else is going on um, in terms of trying to market or, you know, promoting your books, et cetera. Um, at a thousand, thousand words a day, if you did that for not quite three months or you did it for three months, you'd have 90,000. Yeah. Trim it down to wherever it's going to be, 75,000 words in my genre and mystery, 75,000. So that's three months. Now it's going to take some editing. I got to go over the draft and blah, 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 blah. You know, you, you got... You got a book, man. You could do you could do two or three a, a year like that, you know. And again, I know it's not easy for somebody starting out to to put that kind of volume together, but you do get momentum. One of the other things that I I think is critical, and it goes to this slogging thing, and is to trust yourself mm. when you when you when you when you get to these. Um, points in the book, either a, where it's like, Oh my God, this is a mess. Like, or I can't finish it. Or this is a big problem, you know, that I, I got to resolve this problem. And I like to move on to other things to put that aside for a second, as we uh, uh, talked about earlier. Um, you're able to do that. If you trust yourself, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'll get, I'll fix that, man. I know I'm going to fix it. I can't solve it today. Let me put that over here. Let me continue on. And maybe something as you're writing also, sometimes you go, oh, bingo. Is that your subconscious mind? I, you know, I don't know. You know, maybe watching a television show, you, you see something and you go like, oh, geez, you know, that's not my situation, but I like the way they flip that, you know, and can I pull from that somehow? It feeds your conscious well, subconscious rather, and uh, these things come things, but they'll only do that if you can trust yourself. Look at the solution and trust yourself to work it through. Um, and take your time and see if it's legitimate or not, you know. Um, and of course, if you're really worried about things like that, you can bring it to, you know, beta readers or have somebody, you know, do it at that point. You know, I don't use that stuff any longer. Um, I don't like anybody to read what I've written until it's hundred percent cleaned out, edited and proofread. I, I, I'm kind of quirky like that, you know? Um, So it's probably because I got my butt kicked so many times by editors. (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely not the most enjoyable process, but it's necessary. Now, and I think the thing is you've written so many books that you, and you've trusted yourself to be able to cover those major plot kind of flow character issues. And, you know, if you get to that point, you don't necessarily need those resources, but you know, if you've, some people prefer beta readers, some people prefer alpha readers. I don't use all of, all of them. It depends on the story and what I'm writing. Of course not. Oh, I don't. 
Yeah, it comes down to, I agree that the trusting yourself makes a huge difference in the success you find in the day-to-day writing and breaking it down. You know, when you mentioned the 20, excuse me, the 200 words over a 65-day period, kind of what that sums up to, a lot of people don't recognize that, oh, you know, that's more than I thought. There, There's this yeah. expectation to do so much within a small period of time, but what's the rush when you can break it down? Um fit it into whatever lifestyle you have and still come out with a novel in the end. Um, I think it, it kind of comes from this, this race mindset. Just mm-hmm. It's always a race trying to get there before everybody else. But when you get into that mindset, rather than breaking it down and having those goals, there comes the inhibitions, right? And it's hard yeah. to trust yourself if you're constantly missing these, you know, five, six thousand dollar, or excuse me, five, six thousand word count goals every day, then you're yeah. you're kind of losing trust in yourself when instead you can break it down to something smaller and more manageable. Um yes, I I, I one of the you know another interesting thing is because I read sometimes as we all do in all these, you know, what other authors you hear these guys 10 writes 10,000 in a day. I can't even fathom that, frankly. Right. 5,000 is like just oh my God. That's incredible. Um, uh, and there are these people that do these sprints. Um, and then there are other folks who, who um, you know, write 2,000 words and then come back, you know, next Saturday, whatever it is. Um, I think it's, if you can, you went. There you go, continue. You, um, I think that if you're able to do it, the consistency thing also it gives you another advantage. Mm-hmm. If you're only writing at 200 words or 300, whatever that number is, five, you know, anything over, anything under a thousand, you know, is, 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 uh, I mean, well, anything, anything you write is important, but mm-hmm. it's progress. I, I think that consistency keeps you in the story. You know, I've had situations where I've written two books at the same time and I would, I was trying to figure out how to do that. I would never do it again, but, um, and I would say, okay, you know, I'm going to do this for two weeks. Then I'm going to come back to this one for two weeks. So I wanted to get into a flow. And mm. all I found out is that what happened in that other book, you know, I, I was not connected to the story as well as I should have been. Um, uh, and and I find that happens to me sometimes, you know, if we go, you know, well, it was all pre-COVID anyway, but we used to travel to Europe every year and I, we'd spend, you know, let's say three weeks there. I always had my laptop me and I always promised to write. I'd write on a plane like crazy. Mm. Um, but here and there I would sneak in, try to sneak in 200 words, 300 words, very rare that I could write a thousand, you know, because spending time with family was much more important. Um, but I found that I, if I, I wasn't connected to the story, so then when I was ready to go back and write regularly on it, I almost had to go back to the beginning and try to like fill in the gaps in my own memory. Mm. Um, about it, you know, and it, and that's the other danger, you know, uh, when I write and you write so many books, especially in the same series. And one of my series is 15 books plus a pre- prequel. And I'm writing the 16th. People wow. ask me, like, you know, they give me a title and I go, I don't even know what the heck happened in that book. <laughs> so <laughs> trying to keep all these stories straight, right, is, uh, is a challenge. So stay connected to your story somehow. You know, if you if you don't have the ability to write every day, find a way even just to read that, if you're, if you're commuting, read, read what you wrote, just stay connected to it because it'll make writing the next 200 words easier, you know? Um, 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And um, I, I think that's something that I kind of learned subconsciously as I was writing uh, my story. So I've, I've written a trilogy in there. Each book is quite lengthy. Um, but maintaining the thought of that story throughout my daily life, you know, as I'm out taking care of the animals that we have, as yeah. I'm, you know, washing dishes or cleaning up or whatever, thinking about kind of what I've written and the characters and the world that I'm creating definitely keeps you connected. And then that, yeah. that does two things. Not only does it help you stay connected to the story and write more effectively, but it makes it so much easier to get into the writing session. Yeah. Right? If you've lost touch with the world and the reality of the story, it's you have to capture that again before you can get into your next session. And it, there's, you know, when you're switching activities constantly, it just makes it smoother to get into, you know, the 200 words, say, that you're yeah. writing that day. You can do it much more quickly rather than it takes an hour because 30 minutes of it was trying to reconnect with the story. Yeah, spot on, spot on. I, a thousand percent, especially in, um, in the genre that you're writing and, you know, world building and you create mm -hmm. the world. I mean, this is at least I'm, <laughs> I'm in the regular world here. So it's, I don't have to reach that deep or stay that connected to everything as you do. Um, and then the story itself. So it's like two different things, you know, you got the story and then you have the world. I know they're related, but they're still separate made up things that you have to keep track of. Yep. And if you step away for too long, you know, it, it, the other thing that's kind of I've just begin realizing is that when and I've only stopped doing this probably maybe a year and a half or two years is where I don't think about the story 24 by seven. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I'm there's definitely value in that. There's no question about it. But I've been maybe it's trust. Maybe it's uh, I, I, I try to push it out. I push it out. I really actively push it out, but I still feel that there's something going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, it's kind of weird. There's no magic folks. You know, we all got, you know, God or our creator gave us the same kind of brain. Maybe it functions a little bit differently, individual, individual, but we all have that subconscious. We all have these things working. Um, and, and we don't probably don't realize that like this whole subconscious thing, was kind of like a revelation to me mm -hmm. about how to solve problems, um, which probably the average, when you tell the average person or non-writer, I should say, or non-creative, they may look at you with kind of like a, you know, roll by type of thing, you know, but it's valid. And they have the same ability to use that, to draw upon that resource that is, is in all of us. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. And once you recognize that, I think it kind of unlocks the potential that definitely. you have for yourself and for your writing. But we could definitely we could talk probably for hours. I mean, there's yeah. so much to, to unpack with this, but unfortunately, yeah. we are running out of time. So before uh, we end, I would love to ask, where can people find more information about you and your books if they want to take a look at what you've done? Well, the simplest uh, way is at, to my website. And then there, there's all links to, you know, you know, Facebook and just recently rejoined Twitter. And um, that's the whole, I mean, the social media thing is another whole <laughs> thing to be talked about. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, my website is, is danpetrosini.com. So it's D-A-N-P-E-T-R-O-S-I-N-I.com. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes. Oh, well, thanks so thanks. much for your time, Dan. I appreciate it. 
Dan, I appreciate the opportunity. It's been great to chat with you and we're very, very like-minded and um, yeah. I learned a few things from you today. It's great to learn from each other. Yes, exactly. I hope you found that as helpful as I did. Um, you know, is as, when it comes to writing, I feel like there's this kind of challenging perception of writing for someone who's casual like me to think, oh, I have to write or I have to write really well. And so because of that pressure, or the mental pressure, we just have a hard time getting into it. But when you recognize that, hey, um, treat it in a way where it's non-optional, right? Like you just do it regardless of what mindset you're in. And I think you establish those habits and you get in that mindset more frequently and easily as you've established those things. So I, I, I hope that you drew some really important things from that and that it will aid you in your writing endeavors. So next week, we'll be talking to Sandra Nomoto about her publishing experience, publishing her, self-publishing her first book. Um, it, it's actually a, a book about marketing for vegan businesses. Really fascinating conversation. I think that you'll, you'll learn a lot from it. There's some conversation about marketing best practices and her learnings with publishing and marketing her first book. So you'll want to tune in next week. Thanks so much.